how it lights my path, how it guides my way. Reading from Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Lord, I just thank you so much for um, Henry, Lord. I thank you for what he has prepared. I thank you for what you have put on his heart to feed and build up your church today, to nourish us. I pray, Father, that you would help him communicate what's on your heart, that it would go forward with your power and your anointing. It would land in our hearts, Lord, to speak to us what you want to share of your heart for us today. Lord, I just pray that your blessing will be upon him and that you will help him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Vita. And good morning again, everyone. Um, it's a real privilege to be here uh, today on this uh, really significant Sunday um, and to look at a passage which tells us very strongly to focus on Jesus couldn't be more appropriate. Thinking of the uh, verses that Roger often attached to his own life and then sometimes he'd change them and then go back and then there'd be every verse really. <laughs> because his heart and his message and his life was all about fixing your eyes on Jesus <laughs> and the message of Jesus and the centrality of Jesus. If you want to put it in a Roger way, it's just being Christocentric. And wanting to put Jesus at the heart and the center of everything that we are and understanding everything that we read in the scriptures and everything that we want to take in from the truth of God and understand it in the framework and through the lens of the revelation of Jesus. Putting Jesus right at the heart, right at the center. And in many ways, being inspired by Roger, you could say, is being inspired to be a Mary in this kind of situation. To be someone who says, being close to Jesus and understanding the voice of Jesus is the greatest thing I could ever have. Like it says in Philippians 3, all the other stuff that you could do is just rubbish. <laughs> Knowing Jesus is the greatest thing. And living everything else that I do in my life, all the other things that I have to do, all my other responsibilities and activities, even down to the very way that I eat and the things that I do and the people I spend my time with, I want them all to be centered on Jesus. That is the heart, that is the message, and that is the beautiful and simple revelation that we have today. You know, the key two things that Mary has chosen very simply is to be at the feet of Jesus and to listen to the voice of Jesus. The feet and the voice. Those are the two 
simple things. It says she was there. She was seated at the Lord's feet and she was listening to his words. And we'll come on to think about Sister Martha in a minute because what Jesus has to say to her is very, very harsh, but I do have some compassion for her. Some. (laughs) But it's so deep and it's so powerful and it's so important that we are living in this place of not only knowing the truth and the word of God but actually wanting to continue to listen to the word of God because God is always speaking just as Walter's just shared whether you did go for A5 or A6 it doesn't really matter surely I don't think The important thing is that God is always speaking. He always wants to speak into your life, wants you to understand and to hear his heart for you. He wants you to know his truth. He wants you to know his guidance. But he also wants you to be close to him. The feet and the voice are so important because just as we saw in that first verse, Jesus was traveling. He was going somewhere. He was on the way to complete the mission of the kingdom that was heading for the cross. He was going in that direction. It said as he was traveling, he decided to stop in in this village and stop in in this house. So when Mary is close to those feet of Jesus, those are the feet that are on the way to go and to save the whole of the human race. Those are the feet that are walking from the north all the way down to Jerusalem in the south, ready to go to the cross and ready to die for us, ready to give his life for your sins and for my sins and to redeem the whole of creation, to bring about the new birth that we can receive, to be able to pour out the spirit and to see his kingdom come and for creation to be completed and Jesus to come again. That's an important pair of feet. (laughs) I wonder whether they smelled bad. Who knows? (laughs) I imagine they were a bit dirty. Because with Jesus, as he's going on that road to save and redeem the whole of creation, to bring about a victory over sin and death and sickness and darkness and pain, he got his feet very dirty. Because actually he was totally and completely one of us. Those feet mean something amazing. Those feet mean that God is one of us. Those feet mean that God understands us. Those are the feet of the man who is going to weep when the brother of these two women dies. And then when Lazarus is resurrected, he rejoices. You see, he's in both of those emotions. Jesus' feet are the very sign, the very symbol, the very way we can understand that God understands us in a way that is so incredibly deep. God knows us. He knows what it is to grieve. He knows what it is to rejoice. He knows what it is to hope. He knows what it is to despair. God knows us. God is one of us. Those feet are the most important feet. And being close to them and hearing that voice means that you can say this voice is not a false voice. This voice is not a voice that says, hey, don't worry. I know what you're going through. And you say, ah, shut up. You don't. (laughs) You ever had those conversations before? Oh, they're really annoying. (laughs) Because someone's just trying to use their voice to soothe, use their voice to fill the silence. And it gets very, very tedious. But when someone speaks to you and they are that close and you can see through their experience, you can see through their feet that they do know and that they do understand, then you start to have a compassion 
and a connection which is real. Rather than something that is just based in feelings, it is based in reality. It is based in genuine and wonderful connection. The feet and the voice of Jesus mean so, so much. And it says that Mary was there receiving the very words of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? It says she's there to receive the words of Jesus. We know that Jesus is the word himself. He is the word made flesh. And then the fact that Jesus allows her to come and sit close to him and to receive that word, that means he's giving something of himself to her in the same way that he wants to give himself to you and to me. He wants to give that life. The feet and the voice are so important. And I want to encourage you to remember that in this time. I want to encourage you to take hold of that in this year. Isn't it beautiful that Roger lived into this 50 year of the 50th year of the Icarus movement? Isn't that amazing? To see that this is another moment where it feels like every Sunday is like this at the moment in the book of Luke, isn't it? It feels like the Lord has given us these passages and these verses and these chapters to really speak into where we're at. But that beautiful and wonderful um, revelation that we aspire to constantly is to say, Lord, we want to live what we preach. Is that right? Lord, we want to live what we preach. We want to walk in the way that we talk. We want to have the feet and we want to have the voice. Because when you have a voice without the feet there, in the end it's just shallow. It's just disappointing. It's like a fart in the wind. (laughs) But also if you have the feet and you don't have the voice, then you can't share it. You know? If someone is doing something in an incredible way, but they just keep it quiet and they don't talk and they don't share, you can't build the relationship. You can't build the agreement. If you're constantly getting on with it and doing things and someone comes and says, please, can I help you? Can I stand alongside you? And they just don't even want to talk. They don't even want to explain what it is they're doing. Well, it's really, it's really isolating. They're shut off. It's like they've buried themselves away. But what we need is feet. And voice together. Are you with me? We need to build that relationship to share. And where we see that Jesus is the word made flesh. He did that so that relationship can be real. So that the conversation that he's having with Mary in this point. By the Holy Spirit. Is a conversation that you can have with Jesus. Every day. You can be in that connection. You can be in that relationship. The feet and the voice. You know this concept, this partnership of the feet and the voice together as something that we're able to draw close to, that we're able to reach out and touch in Christ uh, is, is going way back. If you look into Exodus 3, you don't need to turn there. I'll just read it for you for a moment. We see some feet and some voice again. Exodus 3 verse 4 says, when the Lord saw that Moses had noticed the burning bush, looked, saw that he turned aside. God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Just in the way as Jesus is going to say Martha, Martha in a, in a short while. He said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet. 
For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. The voice of God is being spoken out, but they are the feet of Moses that are being talked about. Take off the sandals. This ground is holy ground. There is this incredible connection here. The voice of God is being spoken into Moses' life, spoken in with a a mission and a calling to see God's people rescued and saved out of Egypt. And the feet are being taken out of the sandals and put down and recommissioned to take that mission forward. You see, at this point, at the beginning of the feet and the voice journey, there is the voice of God being spoken into this man's life. You know, just as in the same way, 50 years ago, Ichthus was planted by Roger and Faith simply saying, we need a kind of church that is going to get its feet in the game, that is going to be willing to step into the darkness of the sin of people's lives who don't yet know Jesus. We could plant a church that just gathers other Christians from other places, but that's just boring. It's just like all those adverts on TV that say switch your broadband from this one to this one, but then you realise they're all owned by the same company anyway. What a, tr- what a terrible waste of time. I, I can't stand adverts if I'm really honest with you. <laughs> But the kind of church that says we want to see new people saved who have never been saved before, that's where I want to belong. That's the kind of place I want to be for the last 50 years and for the next 50 years. Does anyone else? And that is what is happening in here. That is the calling and the commissioning. But at this point, the way that God's able to do it, way back in the second book of the Bible, is that there is the voice of God saying, I am the I am. And I'm sending you, Moses, to go and bring about that salvation. But it gets closer. And God keeps saying, I need your voice and I need your feet. What about in Psalm 110, one of Jesus' favorite Psalms? You don't need to go there, but I'll just read these first couple of verses. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord says to my Lord, the voice of the Lord, speaking over the coming son of David, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Can you see it? Can you hear it? The feet and the voice. You know, firstly, with Moses... Simply the feet and the voice were saying, let's get people rescued out of slavery. Let's get them out of there. But you know what? That's not enough. God's not happy to just rescue some people. What God wants to do and what is being spoken about here, it's like the feet and the voice are getting even closer together. And it's saying, not only do I want to see people rescued from the power of evil and the power of hell and the power of death, I want to see evil and hell and death overcome for all time. Is that right? And again, that is our heart as a church. That we don't want to just see some people rescued, but we want to see all people rescued. We want to have the same heart of God that says he longs for all people to be saved. He longs to see evil totally overcome and we believe in a Jesus who is coming again. Does anyone else? We believe in a Jesus who not only rescues us from death, but overcomes death 
completely and utterly. We believe in that vision of heaven. The feet and the voice get closer and closer together. What about Isaiah 52? There's a couple of songs written from these words. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. Here at this point, the direction that it's all been going in for the whole of the journey of God's people, for the whole of the Bible, these feet and this voice have finally come together in the one person and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. The one who sums up everything that God's people Israel were called to be is Jesus. The one who brings the voice of God to say this is salvation and I want all people to hear it. It's Jesus. And wrapped up within it is those who follow him. You know, when Jesus first declares fully and completely and explains that he's going to go to the cross, he's going to give his life that we might have salvation. The next verses, he immediately is speaking to his disciples saying, and you, take up your cross, follow me. I want you to be part of this wonderful revolution of my love. And that is what's happening for Mary, isn't it? So close to Jesus. And before Jesus has even completely um, done that job, before he's even made it to Jerusalem to die on the cross, he's already inviting others to join in and to be part of it. And you know, that is the beauty. That is the wonder of what I always loved about Roger. I remember someone from an established church stream, and I won't mention what it's called, coming into Ichthus saying, I can't believe it. People become Christians in Ichthus. And then like the next week, they're out on the streets telling other people about Jesus. I'm not sure that's allowed. I'm really not sure. I'm, I'm really not sure that's quite okay. They got very uptight about it. They were there on the streets and there we were singing away. I was playing some drums, which is the Lord's instrument. And it was ringing out across the streets. And there were these people who had gotten saved literally like two weeks before who were telling other people about Jesus immediately pouring out. And this guy was looking, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure they've got everything right yet. Do you, th- do you think they understand, you know, the Old Testament yet? And I was saying, probably not. They've only had two weeks. (laughs) But they love Jesus. And that is all that matters. They've come to sit at his feet and they've heard his voice saying, I love you. They've heard his voice saying, I forgive you. They've heard his voice saying, hey, these feet, these feet are going to carry on this march and go to Jerusalem. They're going to be pierced with nails so that you can be set free from your sins. Because they knew the depth of that love, I think they're qualified I think I can have a badge saying, I'm a Christian. Do you want to be one too? (laughs) That's enough. And I want us to be that kind of church. And that's the kind of church that we are called to be. We don't have hierarchies in this place. Amen. (laughs) We don't have class one and class two. We don't have registered and not registered. We simply have the love of God. We simply have the feet of Jesus that we're able to sit at. And we have the voice of Jesus that everyone can receive. Everyone can hear, everyone can prophesy, and everyone can preach it. Because this good news of Jesus is for all of us. And it is such good news. So just in these last few minutes, let's think about Sister Martha for a moment. (laughs) Because there is that beautiful journey that Mary is on. As Jesus is making his way to the cross and she's invited to share in it and be part of the good news people, be part of the 
revolution of God's love that he's bringing into this world. I, I want to suggest that Martha herself, even though this is all happening in their house or their dining room or their living room, actually she's caught on a different journey, isn't she? And she's there and she's trying to get the food ready and she's running around, you know, and is the oven on the right temperature, and, you know. What, I, what about the good plates? Have we got enough? And oh gosh, Jesus, all these other disciples keep showing up. And you know, what about the tablecloth? And, oh my goodness. And you know, where's all the, uh, you know, you know should, should we pop to the shop? Maybe, oh gosh, I haven't, you know, haven't prepared it all. And really the thing that's captured her is worrying about what everyone else thinks. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> the thing that's caught her is not really how can I receive from Jesus, but more, how can Jesus receive from me? <laughs> and actually, what is taken hold of her life, or perhaps the other people like her that Jesus knows, <laughs> still exist in this world, sadly, is a want to just make herself better, a want to promote herself, a want for a progress and a reputation that so many people long for. She wants to fulfill this kind of duty that she's decided she has. <laughs> And she wants to do it really, really well. And she wants everyone else to know that she's done it really well. And she'd really like to have Mary doing what she told her to do. <laughs> she's caught in a real curse, which is called self-progress. And you know, if you, uh, I've got to be honest, hadn't opened my Facebook page for about a decade until yesterday. Because someone said there's thousands of people writing messages about Roger how much they love him and how much they appreciate him. And one of the key things that you'll see in that thread of all those messages is saying, Roger was authentic. The person you heard preaching was the same person you then sat and had a cup of tea with after the preach. And if Roger got his way, obviously a piece of cake as well. Because it was real and there was never a desire to self-promote. And set himself to be something that it wasn't. It was real. It was honest. And it was beautiful. And you know, Martha really, I mean, it, it's dangerous. She's challenging and judging Jesus, saying, come on, Jesus, don't you care? Wow, bad move. <laughs> She's then instructing Jesus, saying, Jesus, tell her to do this. Wow. <laughs> dangerous place you're in, Martha. And uh, you know, I've got to be honest, I feel harsh against her because I feel that in my own life. I don't know if you're like me, but I've got to be honest, <laughs> I'm a terrible Martha. <laughs> There's loads of times I'm busy doing all kinds of things that I think need to be done. Get this done, get that done. Oh, this needs doing and there's, there's a problem here and blah, blah, blah. I'm confessing here, confession time, because, you know, <laughs> we've got to be honest. I'm awful at this. <laughs> I'm always thinking, oh, I've got to get that done. I've got to get this done. And I lose what it is to be in the moment. There's an amazing moment going on in Mary and Martha's house here. And they are both in the moment in a way that's very different to each other. And Jesus is so clear. Mary's in the moment in the right way. And Martha, you're in the moment in the wrong way. <laughs> and I take this really strongly into my own life. You see, what she's caught with is... Let's let this be a really great event. Martha is in the moment of that evening and saying, come on, there is a church event here. Let's make it really, really good. 
let's make sure this really rocks. Let's make sure that the hummus is awesome. You know, let's get those pita breads just real. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen a fresh pita bread? Wow. It's wonderful. Lydia actually can make them now. And it, um, it's beautiful. Puffs up in it. Oh. I forgot breakfast, so it really means a lot. <laughs> but we can get caught in doing an event really well and totally miss the point. <laughs> totally miss the point. We can get lost in thinking, you know, oh, this moment, this experience, this thing. And, and sadly, there are churches all over the place in these days making great events. And they've totally missed the feet and the voice of the Lord Jesus. Am I right? Went into a church, hysterical church a little while back. I won't tell you where. But they were so excited about the beginning of their worship time. that they Because I went there, I think I went twice or three times. The meeting leader would ramp it up. It was a preach, it got a bit louder. The keyboard player, it came in. And then just before the first song started, the lights went off. And then the lights went on the front like this. And then the, the band all just came in. And away it went. Everyone was loving it. But then you just realise how stupid it was. <laughs> I mean... You know, it's great. I, I love it. Bit of atmosphere. I think there may have even been a smoke machine, but I can't quite remember. And i got to say, yeah, sure. In the West End, in a gig, great. You know, there's a couple of bands I'd like to see. I saw Stevie Wonder a while back. Brilliant. Lights all over the place. But I've got to be honest, that's just a great event. That's just a Martha. It's a Martha on a big scale. If Martha had a lighting rig and a smoke machine, she'd be well happy. She had falafel, you know, and hummus and um, some other stuff. But really, she totally missed the point. She was a long way from the feet and she was a long way from the voice. And her heart was a long way from them. There was a pride that wanted to make a great event. And we need to cast out pride from our lives in the name of Jesus. Are you with me? I want to be free of pride. Lord, I want to be authentic. And you know, you do realise how annoying Facebook is in the midst of reading all kinds of beautiful things about Roger, stuff that people are sharing, memories, incredible stuff. Between each one of them is an advert, which is encouraging you into pride and into self-worship and into self-adoration. So once I've managed to write down all those messages and record them, and keep them as a beautiful memory of a man that I love with everything of my, um, of my life in Christ. I probably won't go back on Facebook for another decade. <laughs> because we want to have a life that is totally focused on Jesus. When we do take on that kind of pride, when we get caught on wanting to promote ourselves, immediately we jump to what Martha jumps to. She starts judging, doesn't she? She's pouring out a judgment on Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? Jesus, don't you care about me? Don't you care about my bitter bread? Look at it. Give my heart and soul to this bread. And he's there saying, but you've missed the point. You haven't heard anything of my heart to go to Jerusalem and give my life for you. You think you have value in your bitter bread. But you have enough value that I'm going to give my life on the cross for you. I encourage you, Forest Hill Congregation, sit at the feet 
and listen to the voice of Jesus. We want to be close to those feet. We want to be close enough to hear. And so I just, I want us to see where these feet and this voice is going. You know, one of the deepest and most beautiful things about Mary is that sitting at the feet of Jesus, being close to his feet and hearing his voice is not just a place of friendship and intimacy and surrender for her, but it is a prophetic position that she's put herself in. Whereas Martha wants to make progress with all of her catering and all of her looking after people and making it all happen, actually the one who is really living in that prophetic progress is Mary. Because actually, as Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to complete the sacrifice that he wants to give of his life for our salvation. All of creation, the direction of everything, the direction of your life and my life is all going to that same place that Mary went. Actually, the direction of all things in all of creation and every human being, whether they find and choose Jesus or not, is to be at his feet. When Jesus comes again, where is everyone going to focus Where is the life and the adoration and the worship and all the authority going to be? It's going to be centered on Jesus. Is that right? The worship of all of heaven, the worship of all of creation as he returns. It says in Ephesians 1 verse 22, he'll put all things in subjection under his. And the Father gave Jesus as the head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. That is where the whole of the world is going. And actually, what Ephesians goes on to teach us is that the closer we get to Jesus, the closer in intimacy and friendship and love and dedication, the more we listen to his voice speaking out prophetically the version of your life that he wants to bring to birth. Not only are we close to his feet, but we start to become his hands and feet. You get so close to the feet that you become his hands and feet in this world. And actually the Marys, if we're all going to decide to be Marys in here, or you could stick around being a Martha if you want to, it's up to you. (laughs) We'll work that out in the response time and have some prayer ministry. But if you do want to choose to actually be a Mary... Be close to the feet of Jesus, hearing his voice. Actually, Mary starts to become a better version of Martha. (laughs) Because you're so close to the feet of Jesus, so close to his love, so close to his beautiful revelation of fulfillment and goodness and joy in your life, that actually then you can be his hands and feet into this world, not with pride, not with self-promotion, not with self-centeredness, but with a Jesus-centeredness. Is anyone with me? The closer you get to the feet of Jesus, you actually start to become his hands and feet into this world. You know, Martha had that worm pride that said, I'm going to serve. Look at me, I'm the servant. Why are you not a servant? I'm so wonderful, look at me. Pouring out my life in service. Why aren't you doing this, Mary? That kind of position will ruin us. But if we serve and if we love with that beauty, if we put into action another message that I saw that someone sent me about Roger, they said, you know, 
in some of the early days where Roger and Faith were just starting to gather a team to serve with them, they loved the fact that he would finish a preach and 10 minutes later, he'd have the broomstick out, sweeping up to get out of the hall in time. Is that the kind of person you want to be? That is the kind of person that we want to see. That's the kind of person that the Lord is calling us to be. The more we get close to the hands and feet, the more we listen to the voice of Jesus, then our service doesn't become something that is second rate. You know, those who make the food, those who cater and share and create, they are not those who we put down as servants. Are you with me? That's not something we want to outsource and say, hey, you know, those who are not as mature or those who don't look as holy or as special, Lord Jesus, clear out these separations from our lives, we pray. Are you with me? We want to see our service and our love poured out for Christ in a way that comes from a merry heart that says, I'm so close to Jesus. I know his voice so deeply and so intimately. I'm so near to his feet that I'm doing this with his life within me. This is not an act of pride and self-service. I want to give my life in worship to the Lord Jesus. So I'm going to pray. You might want to look at your own feet for a moment and just think for a moment about the places where you've got to walk, the things that you've got to do. Maybe there's tough stuff you have to walk through. Maybe you feel like sometimes you've not been seen and not been recognized. And just hear the voice of Jesus today, just saying, draw near to me. Draw near to me. Draw near to me. Receive from me. I want you to be right at the heart of my body, right at the heart of my church, right in the heart of my people. Lord, I want to praise you. I want to thank you so much for your incredible love. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, even on the way to redeem the whole of creation, to take upon yourself the sins of the world, you came and you spoke these wonderful words into the lives of these disciples. Lord, thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're able to look and we're able to see. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're able to be free of pushing and promoting ourselves, Lord, and we can surrender all things into your hands. So Lord, I really want to pray now, Lord, for all of us here. Lord, may we know a closer uh, and more peaceful, Lord, and a more hopeful surrender at your feet in the, in the midst of every day, in the midst of the busyness, Lord, in the midst of confusion and uncertainty, Lord, we say today we commit ourselves to be at your feet. And Lord Jesus, I want to pray for each one of us, Lord, to know your voice, to know your voice out of the scriptures, to know your voice in prophecy, Lord, to know your voice deep within our hearts and in our spirits, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your living